Are there guys who kick with both legs? This is John Anderson, and you're listening to Soccer Touchdown. There are two types of people in this world. Those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't. It, it felt right from the beginning. Soccer. COVID-19! Touchdown. The beautiful game. Soccer. Soccer. Ten. Touchdown. Portland, Oregon. Providence Park. Touchdown. Hot flashes. Soccer. Are there guys who kick with both legs? Touchdown. Nine. Soccer. Eight. Touchdown. The soccer. Touchdown. Tim Bird. The Portman. Touchdown. Soccer. Don't know what's going to happen in a game. Seven. That's why they play the games. Six. Soccer. Five. Look at that finish. There's Sinclair's goal. Touchdown. Goal from Haley Russell. Four. What a feeling. Touchdown. Welcome to Soccer Touchdown. I am Zippy. They are. <laughs> I'm Courtney. <laughs> That's right. And I'm JP. Welcome to Soccer Touchdown. You know what, guys? You hear the music. You you know what that means. We're not wasting any time. We're going to dive right in. It's hot dog banana time. You look barbecue. Hot dog banana time, summertime, chili dog, hot dog, barbecue, mustard, sauerkraut, Yay. hot dog banana time. Well, let's do it, guys. Let's go around. Um, Zippy, how about you You start us off? What's got you feeling the hot dog banana time? What's got me feeling the hot dog banana time? I'm here. I'm drinking a bush light. Yeah. Uh, JP, I officiated a wedding this weekend thanks to you. I was paid it with a half rack of bush light, which I am now consuming. I mean, you know, it's kind of like the pandemic has just taken it back to the olden days where you just barter for stuff. And I'm totally on board with that right now. This couple gets married. I write a lovely ceremony for them. I get paid with Bush Light. And they got they made me some red bean soup. I mean... Yeah, soup too? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I'm just excited. You know, even though things are the pits right now, I'm all smiles over here. You know, it's all about your perspective. You know, you can you can let you can let this shit get you down, or you can 
have a hot dog banana time state of yeah. mind. Mustard. Yeah. I mean, I just have that <laughs> really? in my head. I'll just be walking, you know, I'm just walking the dog out on the street. I see someone across the street. Mustard. You just, yeah. Barbecue. Barbecue. <laughs> yeah. You know, I went on a bike ride the other day with Derby Dave, the composer of Hot Dog Banana Time. Oh. That's and a good I was one. telling him how it was blowing up the soccer touchdown charts. He didn't quite believe it. I'll have to ask our wonderful listeners how they feel about it. Oh, they love it. They yeah. love it. Courtney, what's got you feeling the hot dog banana time these days? Uh, with the weather breaking, mm. getting to get onto the garden. Um, the greenhouse is sealed so I can use it. It's functional. Been growing little babies of flowers and vegetable variety. And trying not to think about the weird, uh, weird state we're in. Well, I mean, you know, speaking of being in a weird state, uh, I- I'm still living separately from my wife, <laughs> and and she, but she's still being so sweet to me and and making me meals, and uh, and she'll like drop them off on the porch and I'll go pick them up, and I got to tell you, I felt I felt like this could be an added verse. Or, or like a regional specific version of hot dog banana time. She made Frito pie. Do you guys know what Frito pie is? Is that made with actual Fritos, the chips? Yeah, so it's in New Mexico. Uh, it, it can actually be served in a bag of Fritos, but you pour chili on top of Fritos and then a little cheese on top, some other garnish, and then you, you it's like a soup. You know, it's chili, but you 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 dig up the Fritos from the bottom, gives you a little crunch. Mm. It sounds like New Mexico's version of Skyline Chili. Frito pie. It's so good. Yeah. Not a big fan of Fritos. Sorry. Sorry. You should try some Frito pie one of these days. It is uh, much better than Skyline Chili. We don't, I don't know that, I don't, <laughs> this is for you, Courtney. Not sure Fritos <laughs> exist in Staten. <laughs> <laughs> You know what does though? And so early. Bush light. Bush light. Uh, racks and racks of bush light. I just yeah, it's the official beer of the Etzel family. <laughs> hey guys, um, have you been feeling like you know? I wish there was some soccer. You know I have, and and this brings up a really good point that I I uh, speaking of the hot dog banana time, I can't I can't claim this as my own. This was all you JP. But hot dog, now imagine, we're hearing the song right now. So imagine that the year is 2022. Uh huh. After no soccer in Portland, after the league was suspended due to the pandemic, the first full stadium home game is underway in Soccer City, USA. And as the players enter the pitch, it slowly builds to a crescendo, starting in 102, working its way through the stadium. What's it going to take to get hot dog banana time chant? Okay. I think here's what we'd have to do. Uh, Listeners, I'm talking to you, each each and every one of you. I want you to send an email or a tweet (laughs) or, I don't know, go knock on the door and stand six feet back with your mask on, your gloves and your Purell. And please tell. Uh, 107ists, Timbers Army, TA, uh, Capo and Drums, the Rose City Riveters, et cetera, et cetera. Whoever will listen. <laughs> you demand we start a new chant. Hot dog banana time. Hot dog banana time. <laughs>
I love it. How awesome would it be if we got the whole Timbers Army going, hot dog banana time, and then you could <laughs> – you, I don't know how you would do this. Maybe the Kappa would be the pre- pre- prepared to do this. Yeah, different but, sections. Yes, exactly. Barbecue, just in 107. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, like. All of a sudden, 102 is like, mustard. Yes. Yeah, mustard. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how do we, how do we make this happen? When, are, when is the No Pity van going to have the hot dog banana time, No Pity in the Rose City shirts, scarves? Like you know what I mean? When are you going to make the logo for that? Where's the patches? Where are the. How's GOJ not already made a hot dog banana time patch? <laughs> Lord knows he doesn't have anything going on right now. Speaking of the Timbers, this is episode 103. Yeah, I oh. can't believe you're wearing sleeves. I know. My or basement's cold. I'm not wearing the usual cutoff. What lyric from hot dog banana time would one, section 103 be? Ooh. That's I want to say Because <laughs> 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 uh, Well, we don't stink because we let the pits air out <laughs> with the cutoff. <laughs> <laughs> no. well ventilated mm. well ventilated that's what i was going for <laughs> <laughs> well guys uh I, I i do think there is there is some soccer to talk about as yeah. much as we want to fantasize about what it'll be like when we finally return to uh the stadium and get to cheer on timbers and thorns here in portland there's actually a league that's about to start in in legitimate fashion not like not like that Belarusian league or the Nicaraguan league. Like it's, oh. it's, this is the real deal. Oh, I know. This is a real league. And that's the K league. You know, that's right. Guys, we got an email. We got an email from the superintendent, Luke Poutine. About the K league. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'll read it to you. Lay it on me. Hey, STD. As we celebrate the start of the South Korea professional football league, AKA the K league, the question becomes, which team should I support? I say, look no further than Busan Eye Park. One of the original five teams to form the Korean Super League back in 1983, this team has faced an, oh, and overcome a lingering identity crisis of sorts, having been renamed seven times in their existence, most recently in 2011 when they got rid of the pesky apostrophe between I and Park. Good riddance, I say. On the pitch, they were a perennial top five team right from the outset until the early 90s, having crested the championship mountain thrice in an eight-year period. Since then, it's been dog-eat-dog in the K-League, and though they've become the first team to win four championships in 1997 and managed to win the FA Cup in 2004, they've since battled with financial challenges and a record that left a lot to be desired. Having spent much of the last decade in the the K-League 2, They've had a string of four straight years making it to the promotional playoffs. And finally, last year, 2019, they made it back to the top division for the first time since 2015. They're on an upward trajectory. And mark my word, the next stop for this legendary club is championship number five. Uh, I have to disagree with uh, Luke's Luke's team. Who are your guys' teams? Casey Soul. The Soul Dragons. Yeah, let's just choose the biggest man. Whatevs. JP, who are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm Song Nong. Song Nam FC, TID. Song Nam, no. Are you R2? So oh, am yeah. I. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't. I, I think for, for you and I, it makes sense because a lot of this comes down to the crest, the quality of the crest. Well, yeah. And I mean, so. Here's the thing, JP, Courtney. I mean, you know, when they came, when this lead, when this team was founded, 
one day before my 10th birthday on March 18th, 1989, yeah. it was like an early birthday gift. And I was like, you know, I was looking for a team to support, about to turn 10. It's a pivotal age. And then here they come. And you know, that what do they do? Only a few years after their incarnation in 1989, they win three league titles in a row. Boom, roasted. Well, and the crazy thing is when you were a fan, an early adopter, uh, they were the Ilwa Chunma Football Club. And, and their crest was completely different. Yeah. It wasn't until 2014 when they adopted the Magpie. And uh, the, the Sanam FC era began. Yeah, I mean, it used just, to be the Chunma. It used to be the Chunma, which is yeah. a, in Korean culture, it's a winged horse that the Jade Emperor uh, rides into heaven. I can't believe we oh, haven't I talked like about that. this before. Yeah. Man, how did how have we been friends for all these years and not known this? Well, you know, I have a lot of I have a lot of jerseys, but I just leave them hanging in my closet. I'm aware. I purchased half of those for you when I travel abroad. <laughs> Very kind of you. <laughs> Yeah, no, Songnam. The other thing I like about Songnam is that they're a civically owned team. Yeah, the, by by the uh, by the town, by the, the city. They are owned by the Songnam City Council. Uh, they don't have a sponsor on their shirt. It just says Songnam City, and their crest uh, on their beautiful? jerseys is just the magpie. No words, no ball. Like it's so clean, and the Umbro kits, very nice. Yeah, let's talk about that. The uh, so Seoul, huh? Real quick, can we talk about the V-Girls and V-Men of FC Seoul? Well, the cheerleaders I, of I, FC Seoul? I didn't know that they had cheerleaders. They do. The uh-huh. V-Girls and V-Men. And they cheer at the East Stand. It's phenomenal. Do you have your kit? Do you have a kit yet, Courtney? It's on the way. FC Seoul. Oh, wow. It's got the dragon chewing on a soccer ball. (laughs) They they play in a stadium with a capacity of 66,000. Boy, those uh, behind closed door games are going to be, it's going to feel mighty uh, vacuous in there, isn't it? It's going to be rough. Yeah, have you noticed that the a lot of the the uh, crests for the K League teams look like early MLS crests, in in that they appear to be to have been designed in MS Paint 1996. <laughs> yeah, they're sticking with it. Hey, um, you guys, you know, remember when I mentioned that I I had contacted somebody with some degree of expertise in in the world of the K League. And I was like, hey, you guys want to hop on the interview to talk to him? At 5 a.m.? Mm-hmm. Well, he's in Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty good source. You get somebody who's uh, boots on the ground in Korea. Well, I, I, I contacted him. He said, yeah, but I work during the day, so I'm only available in the evening. And that meant 9 p.m. his time, 5 a.m. our time. Luckily, I've been waking up at 4 a.m. for the last six days, so I'm used to it. It was no problem for me. You guys were still snoozing, but uh, yeah, I uh, I recorded it too. So uh, why don't we go ahead and play my conversation with Ryan of K League United? Ryan, welcome to Soccer Touchdown. Thanks so much for joining us. You run a website and Twitter feed called K League United. Tell us a little bit about uh, what that is and why you do it. Yeah, uh, K League United. Well, first, thanks for having me on. 
Um, yeah, welcome. Just launching right in with the other stuff. <laughs> uh, K-League United, I started about five years ago when I moved back to Korea. I moved to Korea for one year, thought I wanted to go back to Chicago, realized that I didn't, and came back to Korea. And I was uh, fortunate enough to live about 10 minutes away from the Jeonnam Dragons home stadium. Jeonnam Dragons now of K-League 2 fame. Unfortunately, <laughs> got relegated a couple years ago. But when I came back, I, I kind of noticed that there were a lot of people that did a lot of really good work for K-League. And they covered their team or they covered the entire league. But then because of the the transient nature of living over here as an expat, they then left. And then that all of that effort kind of went into the ether and... Nobody ever picked it up again. So the idea of starting the site was to kind of try to unite, no pun intended, uh, all those voices and give like a central hub. And that was how it started. It started as just a, you know, a fan site and gathering people. And then uh, three seasons ago, the league actually scouted us out. And uh, interestingly enough, I had a plane ticket booked to Vietnam where I was going to go live at the time, but got an email from the league that said they had been scouting us for a long time and wanted to start working with us. And so now we're in our third season providing the official English content for K-League and running the K-League's Twitter right now. And uh, what, what good timing to be doing all that. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. And, and so obviously we're having you on today because K-League uh, appears to be one of the only major leagues worldwide that is looking to start up uh, imminently here, you know, with outliers like the Belarusian Premier League and the Nar mm -hmm. Nicaraguan League, which are just ignoring the uh, the, the even uh, <laughs> existence of COVID-19. It seems, you know, Korea's had this great swift response to the pandemic, implementing testing early and in a coordinated fashion. And an overall impact of COVID-19 has been well controlled, particularly by comparison to other countries, you know, like Italy and the U.S. Uh, yeah. Korea is well positioned to actually start up their league. I mean, even with uh, the Olympics having been postponed um, for a year or more, but here we are. K-League looks like it's about to start up, which is why we're super interested. Uh, what can you tell us about the upcoming season and, and what sort of precautions are going to be in place for this whole thing to start off? Yeah. The, yeah. Well, first and foremost, um, hat tip to the Korean government for the way they've handled things here. It, it's been really tremendous. And uh, there's been a real community spirit throughout the entire country to kind of band together, fight this thing. And we're not, you know, we're not through it yet mercifully we've got we've got football coming back you know we, we've got closed doors football coming back but um we haven't had any domestic cases in i think three days now as of time of recording um so great news you know but we got we got to stay vigilant for a little bit longer and hope that we can officially be done with this thing but uh, the response has been great and that's what allowed us to get to this point and i think the league k-league was really smart about the way that they did this and they suspended indefinitely they didn't say we're going to try to come back by this date or anything else they just said well we're, we are suspended we'll come back when we can mm -hmm. and they put in place the the rule that they wanted under 40 new cases per day for 14 straight days and then 10 days after they hit that mark is when the league would start so it's basically like a 24-day buffer and then afterwards, all of the players, every single K-League player, coaching staff, everybody has been tested and everybody tested negative. Yeah. So that's some more good news there. And that's one of the massive benefits of testing being so widespread here is that it's available, it's affordable, it's efficient, and it's allowed us to get sports leagues back as well. So 
those are some of the precautions taken beforehand. The other ones, obviously, is it will be starting behind closed doors and the fans won't be allowed in for a little while. The government's going to be easing some of those restrictions slowly over the next couple of weeks. But as far as people like myself going into the matches to cover the games, uh, the mix zone is going to be really interesting now because we have to have two meters between us and players and coaching staff. So I'm either going to get really good with a really long selfie stick or just have terrible audio. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that one works out. But that's another one of the restrictions put in place. Also, players each have their own specific water bottle throughout the match. Instead of uh, sharing whatever's available, they have to drink out of their own specific one. Temperatures will be taken beforehand. Masks are going to be worn by everybody. There, in preseason, there was a rule that uh, players couldn't like be shouting or anything like that. That's not going to be the case for the league because you, you can't play without giving communication. Um, but spitting and things like that, they're, they're limiting that. So... Yeah, there are all sorts of measures in place, and uh, hopefully hopefully it's enough and we can keep going with the season. Well, I imagine you've been asked this before, but if we're in the U.S., Chicago, Detroit, how are we going to get to enjoy some of this K-League action? Well, luckily, and we just announced this today, the first match, Jumbuk Hyundai Motors hosting Suwon Samsung Blue Wings, the traditional curtain raiser of the defending champ hosting the defending FA Cup champion. That's happening this Friday, and it's going to be live-streamed worldwide on Twitter, so twitter.com slash K-League, and on YouTube. So that's yeah. YouTube slash with K-League for that one, because I don't, I don't know why, but it's with <laughs> K-League for YouTube. That's just what it is. But both of those are going to be streamed worldwide for free. Simon Hill is an Australian who's going to be on the call for that, does a tremendous job with A-League, and um, has also called other leagues throughout the world. I think he does a great job. He's going to be on the call for that. It's a, you know, it's a big shame that the introduction of the league won't have fans behind it because yeah. um, it's such a great part of the atmosphere here. But um, I, th I think it'll be something that people will enjoy. Yeah, no fans in the stadium, but I imagine it's going to draw a much bigger global audience than, uh, than it would have otherwise. Um, you know, we'll be, we'll definitely be tuning in and, uh, you know, the three of us, we have been debating this week about, you know, adopting a club to follow. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I think I've already fallen in love with, uh, Songnam FC. Okay. What, I what just, drew you to the magpies? Well, I, I love the fact that it is a, a civically owned team with mm -hmm. no like big corporate sponsorship uh, you know, like we, we had a, uh, Korean league baseball, uh, game broadcast on ESPN recently and they were called the Samsung lions as the mm -hmm. team. Yep. I'm like, yep. Come on, come on, Samsung. Uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, and you know, Songnam, they've got this beautiful crest and it's just so mm -hmm. simple. It's just this bird uh, over the player's heart. But I've been looking, I was also on your site and looking at projections and, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> they they are projected to be uh, basement dwellers and perhaps uh, in the relegation zone. So maybe it'll be a tough season for me. Yeah, maybe. You know, I think we didn't expect them to do as well as they did last year. Last year, they finished comfortably outside of the relegation zone, which was quite an accomplishment for them. Uh, but this year, they lost their manager. Nam Kiel is a really good manager uh, who's just very familiar with the relegation scrap. But he went down JG United. Uh, Jeju just got relegated for the first time in their history. And so he's down there to try to bring them back up to K1. And that team 
if folks are looking for a K2 team that's going to be fun this year, JG United looks super, super fun this year. Uh, and one of my podcast co-hosts and one of the madmen that runs all this with me, Paul Neat, is also a Dejan Hana Citizen fan. So I can't, uh, I can't go out of the, I can't not mention them in K2. But also my team, Jonam Dragons, are in K2. So K2 oh, wow. is where the real party is. That's where the real party is. Um, but yeah, as far as like, you know, even saying this and saying these team names, uh, Chables, like large corporations, it's just such a part of culture here that people don't really flinch at team names like Suwon Lions in the KBO or Suwon Samsung Blue Wings, Ulsan Hyundai, Jumbo Hyundai Motors. It's something that's really strange abroad, but it, you know, it's just so ingrained in the way of life here that it's not that strange. But then the, the other side of that that makes it really fun is that there are citizen-owned teams, Songnam being one of them. Daegu FC is arguably the, I mean, of recent times, they're the most successful. They were in Champions League recently. They just built a brand new, gorgeous 12,000-person stadium in downtown Daegu, and they play really fun attacking football. Uh, they had Cho Yanu, who is the goalkeeper from uh, World Cup fame. He he's one, he was the one who was net when Korea beat Germany, so people will know him from that. He was with Daegu for a really long time. Now he's over in Ulsan. But that's kind of one of the other fun aspects of this league is that you have a lot of that David versus Goliath where you've got these teams like Jumbook who go and buy the best talent, and why wouldn't they? You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and hold that against Jumbook. They have the resources. They use them well. But then you get a team like Daegu, that's run that's owned and run by the citizens you know they're own, it's a citizen owned mm-hmm. club and then they come up and they win the FA cup which they did 2 years ago get in champions league and they start you know they start pestering the big boys they start pestering these big clubs and uh, it's it's really fun it's really fun to see yeah i love well, so for most of our listeners they follow you know we're portland based we do a lot of mm-hmm. coverage of you know the portland timbers and the and the portland thorns of the nwsl but to compare the leagues a little bit k-league typically runs from march to december pretty much following mm-hmm. mls's format traditionally uh you know they suspended play in february and haven't even start, started yet um and then uh but of course here we have a salary capped league uh we have a playoff format at the end there's no promotion and relegation uh, Not yet. K League seems like they've got it together with uh, promotion and relegation. Uh, what other striking differences are there for you know the American audience as we venture into uh, K League fandom? Sure. Yeah. Just to give a basic overview of K League, uh, fans of the Scottish Premier League will be very familiar with this format. So there are twelve teams in K League One. And this year, they're only going to play each other twice because of the shortened season. But most of the time, they play each other three times. And then the league splits in half, where the top six play each other one more time each. And then that determines the champion of the league. Mm. So the table standings will still hold, but then they play each other one more time each. And then it's the same thing for the bottom half of the table. They will play each other one more time to determine the relegation spots. 12th place is automatically relegated down to K2. And 11th place goes into a playoff against the winners of the K2 playoff. Uh, So K-League 2, the first place team, first of 10, they are automatically promoted. And then second, third, and fourth go into a playoff system. So it's a single elimination, uh, third and fourth face off. And then the winner of that faces second place. And then the winner of that faces the 11th place team from K-League 1 and a home and away two-legged Promotion relegation playoff final. 
And uh, that one's fun. That one's really fun because you would think that the K1 club would usually have the advantage, but historically speaking, it's usually the K2 team that wins and comes up because, you know, as, as listeners will notice from this accent, I am also an American. So <laughs> I love the playoffs. I'm a big fan of playoffs. I think it's really great for K2, especially because I, at the end of the season, you've got teams that are in fifth, sixth, seventh. I mean, last year in K2, it was all the way down into seventh and eighth place with two, three weeks left in the season, they still had a shout at the playoffs. And so you have almost the entire fan base still engaged. And, and I love that at the end of the season. It's one of the things I love about playoffs. I think MLS has gone a little too far. I feel like all you have to do is like show up and get your participation badge and you get in the playoffs now. It's, yeah, it, it's yeah. a little too far. Um, so I would like to see a little bit of a hybrid of both. I do miss the playoffs just because I think it creates such a fun spectacle. And for casual fans, I think it's a way to really draw people in, you know, I, I, when I was in Chicago and I was a Chicago fire fan uh, and I had some friends that uh, didn't watch MLS, you know, the type, um, <laughs> but they'd show up for MLS cup cause it's super fun and everybody likes a cup final, you know? So I, I think those things are kind of, that makes it a little easier to sell the league with playoffs, but we don't have that here, which is good for the purists. Right now, I think the sentiment is as much the same as it was when I first started following MLS, and that is, it would be nice to have actual soccer in this country. And, you know, we're looking at this like, wow, when when will we actually ever see another game played? And, mm -hmm. you know, back in uh, 1998, I attended MLS Cup at the Rose Bowl and I watched the Chicago Fire. I was going to say, what a year to pick. There. That's and the year to be there. Year, I, I, I saw them them win and that was pretty amazing. I was just a, you know, like just out of high school back then. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can tell we're just salivating at the opportunity to watch some soccer. So uh, I'm really excited to, that, that K-League is starting. And now for, you know, for the Portland fan who's listening to this, like what is the team in in k-league k1 or two that's most comparable to the portland timbers what's the oh. <laughs> okay um hmm there's some teams that come to mind like personality wise and then there are some teams that come because you know portland's obviously had some success you know what i'm gonna say pohong steelers oh. because pohong pohong has been traditionally a really good club they have, uh, they're tied for the most AFC Champions League titles. But I, I think the similarities that I'm seeing is like, it's a bit gritty, if you will. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's a bit working class. I wish Pohong had like the, the style and some of the food options that are available in Portland. Um, but as far as like the team on the field, I think Pohong would actually be a really good shout. And then, yeah. you know, we don't have a, we don't have the equivalent of Timbers Joey over here, unfortunately. There's no some like, dude just like some dude oh, welding something. Oh my! I want it now. Now that we're talking about it, I feel like that has to happen. Just somebody with like, as soon as a goal scored, the welding mass goes down and they just start like sawing into this giant piece <laughs> of steel. This is what I'm saying, you know. That's let's a good get, job. Let's get that stuff going, especially while the fans aren't there. It'll be super safe. This is yeah. this is what we need. <laughs> as far as colors go. You should probably hate Jumbook because they play in a very similar color to Rave Green. Ooh. So you won't like that. <laughs> Nobody really plays in like a Portland Timbers green per se. Jumbook does sometimes, but they're more famous for their like Rave Green. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick with 
I'll stick with Pohong just okay. because of those some similarities there. Uh, nice. Yeah, I'll stick with that. Wow. Well, um, I wanted this to be an, a nice uh, brief interview to get everybody's uh, kind of mouths watering for the upcoming mm -hmm. season. And we have a follow-up interview after this with former Timber Ryan Johnson. I don't know if oh. you remember, he, he actually left the Timbers after some success here and mm -hmm. went to the K-League with Sale Eland. And um, oh yeah, I think he spent yeah, Soul Eland man, yeah. yeah, which are now in K two. Oh, they've never left K two. They've never left. <laughs> they just sucked <laughs> Sorry, Eland. Sorry, I don't mean to throw Eland on the bus, but no, they came in. Soul Eland came in in 2015, and they had like a three year plan to win the league and then get into Champions League within three years, and very ambitious. Do a lot of things off the field really right, but they just uh, unfortunately haven't got it right on the field, but. Yeah, there there are quite a few. There are more K League connection, like K League MLS connections, than before. Mix Discrude was here last year, played really well for Ulsan. Um, Austin Berry moved over here the same year that I did. Uh, former oh. former Rookie of the Year for the Chicago Fire, he moved over to Anyang the same year that I moved back to Korea. So he was here for a little bit. Daniil Henry is here right now uh, with Suwon Blue Wings. So uh, some of you guys will recognize from Cascadia. So yeah, the the player movement from MLS here is growing, but I think the thing that excites me is that the player movement from K-League to MLS is growing as well with Huang and Bum yeah. playing up in Vancouver right now. And then um, there have been rumors of other players wanting to make the move to MLS because of that. So, and, and you know, and I think Portland might be one of those teams that would be mentioned because being on the West Coast, it's a little bit easier to come home. It's a little bit easier to adjust. And yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Yeah, nice. And then, so, so last question, and we'll wrap things up. What are some of the players that we should really look out for? Who are the stars, the household names of the K-League that everybody's looking at? Yeah, so I think one of the things that uh, folks might have to adjust to a little bit is that we don't quite have, well, we definitely don't have the wage bills of the Chinese Super League. We don't have that. And then we don't necessarily have like the star power per se that Japan does with like Iniesta and Podolski and the likes. But there are a lot of players... There are a lot of up-and-coming players that I, that I like from throughout Asia. So, I mean, if you want to dig into Asian football, there are a lot of players from Uzbekistan that are starting to come over now. Some household names, like people that might know, Lee Chung Young just came back. He spent some time over in England for a little while. He's back. He's playing with Ulsan this year. He's somebody that people would know. Cho Yonu, obviously, from the World Cup. And then uh, Kimbo Kyung was last year's MVP. He spent some time over in England as well. People know him. Park Ju Young is somebody that people might know. He uh -huh. was with Arsenal for like a day, I think. <laughs> but he's here. He plays for FC Seoul. Uh, well, there are know, a lot of players on the national team. And sorry to interrupt, but you know my my co-host Zippy, huge Tottenham fan. Ah, okay. And yeah. he's always talking about Son Heung Min, and mm -hmm. he's like, "Wow, uh, any chance that he returns to the K League uh, since it's the only game in town?" <laughs> See, that's what's interesting. I mean, I think that, well, two things on that. I think I was one of the only people that was going to be okay with Son having to do his military duty because that meant some time in K-League and that would have been all sorts of fun. Um, but no, good on him. He got his exemption. He's actually serving his four-week military duty right now um, while the league's off. But I think that's one of the really interesting things about K-League's position right now is that while the rest of the world is in this kind of stasis and trying to recover from this virus, 
it could be a really interesting time to see some high, high profile players come over on loan because I mean, what does, there's really no risk for their parent club at this point, go get some game time. And from a K league perspective, especially if we can start getting fans back in the stadium here, sure. Let's splurge out a little bit and let's just go get some big name players and throw them in an FC soul kit, throw them in a Suwon kit. Let's sell some kits. Let's put some butts in seats and you know, Let's get some superstars over here for a little bit. I, mean, I, I think it'd be all sorts of fun. I'm right there with you. I can't wait to see, to purchase my Lionel Messi uh, Songnam FC <laughs> kit. That's, that's going to be sweet. That would be the, oh man, I might even switch. I can't joke about switching allegiances. I have too many teams already. <laughs> people, people would hang me by my toes. Oh my God. Well, uh, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us. And I, I really appreciate your time. Where can the people reach you? Uh, what's the best resource for following K-League uh, for, for us here stateside? Uh, we're running the official K-League Twitter. So I think if you want to get in touch with things, just um, twitter.com slash K-League. And K-League.com, we're providing the English content there. So those two ways are really easy. K-LeagueUnited.com has been our home for about five years. And we've got match previews for just about every single match, but we also have, we have them per round. We've got player interviews. We have a weekly podcast. We're doing absolutely everything we can to get people involved there. So at K league United on all of the social media accounts. And if you want to keep up with me personally and see what my cat looks like when I'm trying to record, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Ryan Walters. So MR Ryan Walters, and he is an adorable cat admittedly. Okay, folks, give him a follow. Let's <laughs> uh, well, Great. Ryan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and uh, can't wait for soccer to to kick off. <laughs> yeah, let's get this back going again. Let's hope that some other leagues can do it soon. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. You know, so the one thing I didn't hear from that interview is uh, VAR. You know, are they going to look at it? It turns out they are. Uh, they introduced VAR in July of 2017. So that... That makes me even more excited just to how be able to yell. We, how can we get this? How can we watch these? Yes. So word on the street is that ESPN is inking a deal with uh, the K-League. I mean, it's smart. What else are they going to air? Yeah, well, there's, there's also – I know ESPN had a deal for uh, Korean baseball, and, and they've been showing <clears throat> baseball games. But uh, the first match of the season – is Friday, May 8th at 2.45 a.m. We'll all be awake for that. Uh, it's going to be John Book FC against the Suwon Blue Wings. So I think we should watch watch out for the, uh, uh, you know, they're going to be playing the game on their Twitter feed as well. So watch the K-League Twitter, watch their YouTube page. And I think with that, uh, we'll probably be able to catch quite a few of these matches. It takes me back to 2002. You remember watching the World Cup set in Japan and Korea? And we had to be up at those ungodly hours to catch a match. I only... I'd be watching games yeah, 2 a.m. I remember only watching like one or two of those matches because of the job that I had at the time. Hmm. But, uh, you know... Courtney, were you alive <laughs> in 2002? Uh, I was. Thank you. Uh... In eighth grade. Yeah. It was a good year. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Okay. 
So that must have been rough. You walking into school yeah. all tired because you've if, been up I, since exactly. 2 if I only knew that's what a hangover felt like at that age, probably wouldn't have started drinking. <laughs> you've been drinking, Courtney? <laughs> no, nah, just just uh, hung over on soccer, yo. On soccer, yeah. Hooked on the soccer. <laughs> you know how it Our guest today hails from Kingston, Jamaica. Although he'd spend his formative years in New England, he'd eventually get a taste of the beautiful Pacific Northwest attending college at Oregon State University. In his soccer career, he'd score eight goals and 36 appearances for his home country and net a boatload more while in MLS, featuring in sides such as RSL, Chicago Fire, San Jose, Toronto FC, and then finally returning to Oregon with the mighty Portland Timbers. Featuring in that glorious 2013 season when the Timbers finished top of the West and only two points shy of Supporter Shield glory. That preseason, he had fans champing with excitement as he scored a hat trick in a preseason match against his former club, the Quakes. But after making a big splash in Portland, he'd leave us wanting as he'd be on his way to the Chinese Super League in 2014 and then off to Seoul Eland of the Key League in 2015. But missing the rain, coffee, and food carts, he'd eventually return to Portland, where he's worked as a coach and trainer, having achieved his B coaching license, and also working as an agent through pro sports management. Folks, with us today is none other than Ryan Johnson. Hey, how you guys doing? Pleasure to be here. Doing well. Thanks so much for joining us. Was that at all accurate? Any anything you need to correct for the record? No, man. I mean, you guys, you guys did your research spot on. <laughs> I mean, that's that's literally my my career in a nutshell. Um, if anyone wanted to see a basic CV of uh, what I've accomplished in this game. JP, this might be the first time that it's flawless. <laughs> <laughs> Proud of you. Well, uh, you know, we just finished having a nice conversation about the K-League, which is going to be kicking off imminently here Friday, yeah. 2.45 a.m. We're all going to be glued to our YouTube screen, <laughs> John Book FC and the Suwon Blue Wings. Yeah, uh, go head to head. Are you? Tell us. Are you going to be watching? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, those games might be broadcasted on ESPN Plus. So that's a nice little um, subscription to have. It's you know only five bucks a month, so it's good to be able to watch so many different leagues around the world. So I'll definitely be watching. Like I think whatever league is going to be starting up in the next uh, month or so. They should be using that platform to, you know, get as many people to watch as possible because, I mean, people are starving for some good football right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. So, you know, being that you you are played pro and, and played in this league, speaking of starving for football, like, do you find that you yourself are starving to, to have something to watch, like pro football to watch? Yeah, I mean, sports in general. I'm a huge NBA fan. Not really much in baseball, you know, that's not, not really my thing. So, you know, the NFL is pretty cool too. Obviously college sports, you know, we miss March Madness and so many good, just, it's unreal, it's unreal what's happening, you know, right now to, to think that you're going to wake up every day and you're looking forward to, to some kind of game that's happening. And it's like, no, nothing. nothing. You know? <laughs> and I mean, I've, I've watched some older games, which is, you know, what I do, I'm, I'm scouting players and watching a lot of their older games, but you, you get to really miss watching someone live and seeing what they're going to do and kind of predicting what they're going to do in the future. You know, you, you kind of take that for granted, not be able to watch 
uh, live sports. You know, it's, it's not the same. Yeah, the only thing we have now is the Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. That's new, you know, and that's still yeah. 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of the stuff that they're revealing in that documentary, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people already knew a lot about him and, you know, how he liked to gamble and, yeah. you, know, th- you know, things like that. I mean, I think the beauty of just sports is that it's just so hard to predict and knowing who's going to be the champion, you know, how just how, how everything's going to unfold. You know, I think that's the joy of sports. So for me, I, I hate watching games that are tape delayed or if I if I know like in the morning time there was a game I wanted to watch I, I stay off of social media because I, I never want to know the result of any match like it could be a U10 match like I don't, I don't want to know the result of it I want this I want to be surprised in some kind of way because I think that's that's what sports is it's just being unpredictable and just the uh, the surprise that you get from something happening that you just didn't predict. Mm-hmm. We, we had Jeremy Abobasi on about a month ago, and it was right kind of at the beginning of lockdown. And we asked him, like, what, what do you miss most about getting out there and playing? And he said, very simply, scoring goals. <laughs> and I, I imagine you missed that as well after ending your career. And uh, so how do you fill the void? Uh, not just in the midst of the pandemic, but uh, a- after your career came to an end, where do you find that uh, that kind of rush and excitement? Uh, I don't think you ever fill that void. You know, this you're never going to get a rush that you do get. You know, scoring important goals in front of over fifty thousand people is just is just something that, and, and I think for any player getting towards their retirement, they have to kind of just come to accept that you'll never really feel anything like that again, unless you compete again in some other, you know, kind of sport, maybe golf, you know, something like that. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing some golf. Now I picked that up, you know, it's, 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 it's there's no way to ever get those kind of feelings, but then you, you kind of recharge, you, you, you go through your depression because you're going to be depressed. You know, I was depressed for like a whole year, you know, but you know, it's, it's, it's just part of the game because it's, it's, it's your whole, it's your whole life, you know, and, you think you're going to play forever, but obviously it's never, it's never the case for anybody. And, you know, you got to find a way to give back to the sport, you know, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is to, to stay connected to the game, but as well as to, to give back to the younger generation of players. Yeah. And so did I, I mean, I think I had read this and, and you mentioned that you're, you're kind of a, a scout now. And, you know, one of my, one of my friends is he's kind of like, he fancies himself an amateur scout. Mm-hmm. And he loves this program called Y Scout. Yeah. It's like you can review players from all over the globe and search them based on different criteria. And I mean, imagine with the technology at our fingertips now, the whole the role of a scout must be rapidly evolving. Yeah, I mean, I'm on there every day. You know, there's two big platforms: is Y Scout and Instat. I'm on there every day, looking at players get an idea of what they do and, you know, what they can bring to any team that needs a player like them. It's 24 hours. You know, you can, you can be on there all day, every day. You know, it it can get pretty crazy scouting players all the time. Yeah. He was trying to come up with a formula based upon the attributes of Diego Chara to find out where are we going to find the next one? Oh, that's, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I don't think you'll ever, and that's the thing about sports, right? You just, you just can't predict it. You're never going to – it's going to be pretty hard to have someone come in and fill Diego Chara's shoes because, you know, he, he has so many attributes to his game and just the longevity 
of how important he is to the organization. You're going to get lucky if you find a player like that again to play his position the way that he plays it. You know, he's he's like the one of the guys that you never want to play against. And so for me to have him as my teammate, you know, I was super, super grateful to have a guy like him that's behind me, making sure I'm getting the ball. And if I lose it, I know that he's going to get it back. Let's, uh, I'm wondering, you know, we, we'd mentioned the K League, and since it's soon to be probably the only legit league that's actually in play, we're, a lot of attention is going to be drawn to it. Is there a first league team in the first division that you might be like paying attention to? I mean, um, <laughs> Jump Book is probably the most famous team in the K League. I think they won the most titles. You know, FC Souls is, is also a big one. Busan, that's kind of like in the south of Korea. They're, they're a cool team because they're kind of like a beach city type of vibe thing. So no one no one in particular, but if I was going to put my money on it, I would probably bet on Jumbook. And, and what was your experience like? That must have been a real kind of cultural shift for you uh, coming from the States and then going first to China and then Korea. What, what was that experience culturally like for you? Well, for me, actually, a lot of people didn't know that I've, I've always wanted to play in Asia. Um, when I was a kid, I, I used to watch like tons of Kung Fu movies, the, the real old school ones, like back in the sixties when guys would be flying around, you know, karate kicking and all that. Um, but I, I've always knew that, you know, football is, is the world's game and they played all over the world. So this is, this game gives you the opportunity to, um, you know, live in different places and see different things. So, you know, even for a lot of players and especially in MLS, they want to play in Europe. But that wasn't really the case for me. I wanted to play in Asia. So I've, I've always um, expressed that to um, my agent at the time, that that's where I wanted to be. So, you know, keep your eyes open to any kind of opportunities over there. And, you know, it, it came true. And um, it's one of those things where when I think about it and you're, you, you think about the goals that you want to set, if you kind of speak them into existence, they could happen. You know, it's some people think it's kind of random, but like that's I, that's where I want it to be. Are there any kung fu movies of you out there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to the uh, the Shaolin Temple and I got to meet the the abote, which is like the the spiritual leader or whatever in uh, in Shaolin uh, kung fu, and just like seeing a place that's so old, and then you seeing all the kids. They're all, they're all, you know, doing their, um, their martial arts out in a huge, huge field. I mean, I've, I've taken so many pictures with my family there and all the foreign players. We all took a trip over there with um, some of the, the team officials. And it's something that I'm going to always remember. And to think back on the Kung Fu <laughs> movies I used to watch, like this is where, this is where it all started. You know, this is where Kung Fu started. And uh, I was able to tour there, you know, representing a team and, um, feeling like a tourist because it was just uh, one of those things that you can never, I mean, I, I would never guess when I was younger that I would ever be at a place like that, you know, just being a fan of just Kung Fu movies. Okay, be honest. How many times have you seen the motion picture film Shaolin? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's not my film. <laughs> All right. We got a we got a listener question from Dan. 
he he asks, uh, you were part of the Timbers Electric 2013 team and played a role in the club's breakout performance, finishing tied for second in goals in the year with a certain other Johnson. Uh, it's fair to say that you know a thing or two about scoring. Have you followed the team lately? And if so, is there anybody who has you excited in the goal scoring department? I mean, I'm 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 rooting for Jeremy Abovici. I'm never going to be against like the, the you know the foreign guys, international guys coming in, but I'm a I'm a hometown rooting for the guy who can give the kids that are coming to the games, especially the local kids, kids that are you know in the states. I want them to be able to dream the same way that I dreamed um, when I was coming up in their age to say like you know if a guy like Jeremy's doing it, maybe you know I can I can achieve the same thing that he did. He came from the same kind of background you know, that I'm, that I'm going through as a kid growing up. So I, I root for guys like him because I know his story, but also he's also inspiration, you know, to the kids that uh, it starts with a dream, you know. You know, I'm really rooting for him to, to be the leading goal scorer on the team and, and, and earn everything that he deserves in this game because uh, he, he really fights out there really hard. You can see it in his body language. He's very committed, you know, to the team and he's very selfish. He's a smart dude too. If you pick his brain, oh, yeah. you know, he's uh, he's very well read, you know, he's he knows what's going on in the world. I mean, he's someone who I, I feel is a role model for the community. He's a guy for me, I root for. And every minute I see him on the field, I want him to score and, you know, kind of just show the league and the organization that he can be the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had him on the pod two or three times now and we are, you know, sort of constant cheerleaders for him. And it's not just that he's like a domestic player. I mean, he has scored some absolutely thunderous goals. Mm-hmm. And he's very versatile, very intelligent. And I think he adapts well to to instruction and different coaching styles. Like, I mean, he's just, he seems like he's got it all. Yep. And I, my heart hurts for him uh, that we're in the midst of this hiatus because I feel like he was on the verge of a really special year too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I mean, I think that once things do get started, I hope things are kind of like how things left off and guys are able to get the opportunity that they were going to get in the beginning of the season. But who knows, you know, that's that soccer. It's football. It's it's not always fair. Yeah. Ryan, you you came into the Timbers team at a time when there was a lot of uh, it was a huge flux for just the team, like a new coach. Um, it kind of like the tactics, the change. Uh, it was like 2013 was such like a crazy year if for the team and just like as a fan, kind of what wh- how it all happened. Is there anything that you can share with us about Caleb Porter, like his coaching style now that it's been all these years since you played for him? Well, I, well, I really enjoyed playing, you know, for Caleb. He definitely wanted to, for his first year coaching in the league, coming up from the college ranks, he really wanted to set a statement the kind of players and the kind of style that he wanted to play so you know if I can describe Caleb he's he's the guy that you don't want to get into a fist fight with him in a bar you know because he's he's gonna fight you to the death you know he's gonna do whatever whatever he has to do to win during team talks and you know I'm pretty good at reading people and that's the kind of vibe that I get from him and so if you show him that on the field he's gonna he's gonna back you and give you opportunities um, to keep you know to continue to show yourself of what you can do for the team. So um, that's kind of the, the gist of what I what I think of, of Caleb. I really enjoyed playing for him. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to see what he does in Columbus. You know, he did it, he really made a full circle back home to where, you know, his roots and 
you know, for his family, his wife and kids, even Darlington, you know, you see them, you see them all back there together. I mean, it's like, that's a, that's a Cinderella story. And um, let's see what they can do. You know, I'm always going to have a, a place for them and root for them, um, especially against the neutral teams. But, you know, those are, those are good guys. They're, they're good people at heart, but it was definitely fun playing for Caleb because uh, it was, it was all about the physicality and this and mentally just, just knowing that every game you're going into it, it's it's a fight. They're trying to take something from you. They try to take something from you from home. A lot of those kind of motivational speeches, speeches where you just feel like you just want to go fight somebody. You know, like that's that's just um, the kind of uh, energy that he gave you coming out. And obviously, you're playing for yourself. You're playing for um, you know for your own families, but you're also playing for the team and the organization as well. So he's a great motivator. Did you feel like he was going to be successful when he first came on? Was it kind of an instant thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely instant thing. Like he's a he's a great communicator. For some people, it's easy for you know being approachable. To me, he was very approachable. It was was no problems if I ever had to talk to him. I mean, we started the season a little rough. I think it was like the first two or three games we we didn't get a win. So, I mean, definitely, I, I'm sure some certain players had doubts, but I think we started to click once we went away from Portland and then we came back and picking up wins in, in some of the tough places to play in the league, we came back with a lot of confidence and then we just went on a really good roll. Got a couple of questions from another listener, Luke Robert. He asks, while you were in Toronto, March 17th, 2012, you scored a stunner against Seattle after a long dribble from, up from the midfield. This is Ryan Johnson streaking clear. He's got three in the box, wants it alone, it's not bad! It is a brilliant goal from Ryan Johnson. You don't find a better goal than this anywhere in the world. You come inside, you give him a little bit of space, but wow, wow is all you can say to this. He comes in on that left foot and gives Michael Schmerning no chance. Off the crossbar. Nine months later, you joined the Timbers. Did anyone in Portland thank you for gutting the fish that day? <laughs> yeah, man, that was, that was probably my... One of the best goals I've scored in my career. I mean, but I do remember someone complimenting me about about that goal. It was, I mean, I, I still remember it to this day. I never thought that I would ever have that kind of rivalry with Seattle, you know? So thinking about it afterwards, it's like, you know, it, it, fate fate worked out the way that it that it did to score big goals in a, a tough place to play like Seattle. You know, that, that was definitely special. Yeah, I mean, you were also... Uh, you know, and this is indelible. You're the first Timber to uh, score a go-ahead goal in Seattle. Oh, really? Uh, in the MLS era. Wow. We had never uh, held a lead against them until you <laughs> showed up and scored that better. <laughs> no, man, I mean, that's that's amazing. But Seattle is a, is a tough place to play. I mean, it's a weird thing. If you if you have an issue with, with peripheral vision and colors, I mean, it's just like a sea of green. And they wear green, and it's like all you just see is green. The pitch is green. It's a it's a tough place to play, just visually, just to like stay concentrated and see um, your teammates to connect passes. So it's just a, yeah, and the football lines and getting into the end zone <laughs> and the fire behind it. It's just a tough environment. Like I, I I don't miss playing there. It's very loud too. You can't hear your teammates. Like you could be shouting, you could be twenty yards away. You won't really hear them it's a really hard place to play. So like for any team, you know, the guys have to really be, you know, like a well-oiled machine where we really understand what, what are each other's tendencies are, you know, just 
playing with each other and knowing a guy like Valeri, knowing that, especially playing with a guy like him, he doesn't want you to come to the wall. He wants you to, to check away, go to the space that's in front of you so he can put the ball in the space, you know, little things like that. You got to have a team that really understands how each other, how each other play. It, playing in front of the army. I feel like every player is like, yes, it's incredible. But was there like a favorite moment that you had playing at, at I, I believe at the time it was Jeldman field. Uh, like at well, home, was there a favorite moment as a timber at home? I mean, it, Every every time I played there, it was it was a bit surreal for me because when I was playing at Oregon State, um, I would come up and I would watch my probably one of my first my first Timbers game. I was I was up there to watch um, Alan Gordon play, who was my teammate the year before at, at in college, and uh, I still during, remember during USL when when the, yeah, yeah yeah and and so um, just going to the stadium it was probably one of my first because I, I never really went to like New England Revolution games when I was in Boston. So it was like my first professional, you know, soccer stadium. So I remember looking up at the at the stadium at the park and being like, man, this is this is what it feels like to 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 play in a professional stadium in front of the fans. And so, you know, that's that feeling that I had is is the same feeling that I had playing, you know, every home game, you know, there. So like uh the tradition of, you know, thanking the fans every time we do it a lap and, you know, we would hold the log up. I think my first time um, in preseason holding the log up when I, when I did score that hat trick, you know, to, just to receive that, that love that I got from the, the fans in that section, definitely never going to forget that. And, you know, it's, it's made me a lifelong Timbers fan. You know, that's why, you know, this is where I, this is where my homes are. This is where I live. I'm, you know, I raised my girls here. You know, I really feel like, mm-hmm. This is, I wouldn't say a second home, but you know, this is my home now. I know, um, for whatever reason, when I came on my recruiting trip here to Oregon, I just felt like this was um, kind of the place where I felt comfortable and I'm still here. You still have any of those log slices? Yeah, yeah, I got, I got some in my, in my garage. Um, <laughs> definitely gave away a bunch, but you know, I think I probably have two left. <laughs> yeah, we always wonder what people do with them yeah. after the fact. You know, Jeremy Bobasi just <laughs> yeah, keeps his in the back of his car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's Jeremy for sure. <laughs> I mean, if you get so many, you're just gonna build another tree at that point. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, I really appreciate you joining us. And is there anything in particular that you wanted to promote or advocate for? I mean, one of the things I've always wanted to do, especially when I retired, was just help other players get better, especially the, the kids, you know, locally in the community. I, I remember, you know, never having someone to really train with when I wanted to train away from the team and, and get better. So I've started you know, my own individual training for, for players. So a lot of the kids from um, like, like FC Portland and, you know, the West Side Timbers, a lot of those youth players will, will reach out to me from time to time. So, you know, whoever, um, kids that are watching, you know, they can feel free to reach out to me. I'll obviously be in contact with them. And, you know, if they ever feel like they need to take their game to the next level or they, they want to get better for the tryout for the next season, you know, it's, I feel like for, um, a player that's trying to get better at his game, you could always get better. 
Um, mm -hmm. And there's always a challenge at every age group. You know, if you're going from U13 to U14 to U15, I would always like to extend any time and any free, uh, free time that I have um, to help any players get better. So I think that's that's probably the only thing I want to support is is, is my training sessions if, if players ever need uh, individual attention. So kids, parents, yeah, yeah, parents, sign up your kids. Yeah. RJSoccerTraining.com. Yep. You can train with uh, Timbers legend Ryan Johnson. Yeah, Anything I can do to 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 give back to the beautiful game, you know, it's it's given a lot to me. It's obviously changed my life and helped me build the 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 life for my family. So um, if I can ever be a positive influence in any uh, young player that's you know looking to get a get a soccer scholarship or you know whatever they want to achieve in the game if i can help them achieve that to me that's that's like that's kind of like full circle you know yeah. of, of the game and then you can live vicariously through them when they go off to the next level exactly you know <laughs> i can follow them easily online man i can watch them all <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us yeah thank you thank you for having me yeah i appreciate it all the best all right. absolutely all right guys yeah. enjoy your evening yeah, thank you so much. Take care. And we're back. Well, that was a wonderful interview with uh, Ryan Johnson. Thanks, Ryan Johnson. Appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, um, you know, guys... There has been some recent soccer-related news, even though no soccer has been happening, uh, and, and and that is related to the U.S. Women's National Team. Bum. Uh, with their, yeah, with their ongoing uh, uh, lawsuit with the U.S. Soccer Federation, and and so I thought, who better to have on than a bona fide lawyer slash Timbers fan slash podcast host, Mark Alifans. Mark Alifans, welcome to Soccer Touchdown. I am so very glad to be here after so much time sitting with you guys on 102 to finally actually be Welcome. on the podcast. Courtney sits in 103, so uh, we're going to need you to cut your sleeves off while we're... <laughs> and this is episode 103, so going to need you to cut those sleeves off live on the air. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Right, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. Also, um, could you please go ahead and uh, tell us what your qualifications are? Are you, uh, do you specialize in bird law? I'm just the best goddamn bird lawyer in the world. You know, I tried. Uh-huh. <laughs> I tried bird law. You know, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't really going too far too many places. Uh, I kind of fell into being an employment lawyer about 20 years ago. So I have worked at large law firms on the East Coast and the West Coast, New York and Portland. I've worked at large companies, advising them on how to not fire people in mean and cruel ways. Always still trying, you know, always trying to balance, protect the company, don't get sued. But the way you don't get sued is by actually being kind to Treating people. Treating them like humans. So right. that's a lot. Being yeah. like humans. Uh, and that's kind of how I have always looked at my career. Right now I'm on my own. I'm a solo attorney. I'm looking for clients. I'm out there, you know, in the middle of COVID trying to find and start a new business. So that's yeah. awesome. You're swimming through the COVID. You know, just just my nose above the above the water. So yeah, so I've been an employment lawyer for almost 20 years and I I take I like my soccer and I like my employment law. And it's so unusual when the two of those things 
coalesce into one one juicy issue wow wow and that and that all came to a head uh this week on my favorite employment law podcast hostile work environment mark alifans and kate bischoff in particular most recently i heard episode five of season two in which the subject matter was the very decision that came out last week in the equal pay act case of alex morgan et al versus the u.s soccer federation we have so many questions yeah well and jp told me you know the episode on my podcast five minutes he said he wants me to go longer for this so Perfect. so i can you know i can read all 30 pages of the opinion yeah. if you let me want. just get some, let me just get a snap or we can just we want to get into <laughs> the fine details the legalese i want all the we words our i can't understand depending. look here's yeah. what i want i want the truth <laughs> <laughs> can't handle it jp all right, so the U.S. It. soccer was awarded a massive legal victory against gender discrimination claims brought by U.S. women's national team players. Judge Gary Klausner's ruling rejected the players' claims uh, that call for more than $66 million in damages. This decision, is it more based on the misogynistic viewpoint one would expect of a 78-year-old Republican-appointed judge, or is this more reflective of this individual's inability to do math? Yes. What? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's I, I, I hate to, to, to take anything about a specific individual and assume that they have any bias or or you know, just without knowing them or being able to talk to them or understand really where they're coming from. And a 30-page opinion like this isn't enough to get me there on your first question. But is that possible? Very much possible. The second part is really around the economics of taking a slice in time and saying, from this day to that day, who made more? And the days that they chose, which I don't know how they chose those days, the opinion doesn't go into it, per average, per game, the women earned roughly $8,000 more per game than the men. Case closed, right? Well, We're all satisfied just, with that, right? But as you just said, just on that slice of time. So conceivably, you could set it up. Any slice of time that you take could be weighted one way or the other, depending on how large of a, basically how large the data set is, right? Right. And and, and in this sense, I think that there are probably a couple of things looking at, at that time. One is there's statute of limitations on wage claims, right? Can't go back more than a couple of years. So we're not going to go back more than a couple of years before the case started. And we're also trying to make sure that we're using similar numbers to compare. So both of the teams, and we'll talk about this a little bit, have their own collective bargaining agreements with the United States Soccer Federation, USSF, we can use for short. And each of those collective bargaining agreements starts and ends at a different time because they're negotiating at different times. So I believe what they tried to do was take a slice in time where they had the same set of rules for both, not, not the same, where they didn't change in the middle, in other words, for either of the teams. So they tried to take that period of time, probably since uh, the women's current collective bargaining agreement began, is my guess. Everyone's saying, you know, this is a huge blow to the women's legal case. What is your, as an employment lawyer, what, are, what, is your, what is your feeling? What is your guts telling you? Oh, it's a huge blow to the case. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for them at this point to, to win on an appeal. Now, they should appeal, and you never know who you're going to get on appeal. So, again, it shouldn't factor into legal analysis, but 
if you know they're in the Ninth Circuit, so the Ninth Circuit is the federal court district that covers the Western United States, and it's one that the current occupier of the White House <laughs> likes yeah. to lambast for being too liberal. So there is a good chance the the Ninth Circuit panel of judges that would hear the appeal would probably be a three judge panel. There's a good chance you might get some Democratic appointees to hear the case, and if that's the case there's more of a chance that they might reverse this, right? But then if it gets appealed again, it could go to a, a larger panel, a large called en banc, a larger group of judges from the Ninth Circuit, or it could go to the Supreme Court. I'm not sure that the legal issues are kind of juicy enough for the Supreme Court to really take an interest in this, but if, it, if they reverse it in favor of the women, I think that increases the chances that the Supreme Court would take it and try to turn it back. Which might, because which that's might, I would what presume, the Supreme Court uh, put pressure on the U.S. Soccer Federation to settle rather than let it escalate to that level, which would be such a bad PR for them. Right. Yeah. I feel like the media presence alone is kind of what's helping them out in this case. I mean, is because it is. Yeah. Is it is the PR not already terrible? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and, and there's there's arguments out there that people who didn't want the women's team to win are are really clutching onto as as important. And depending on where you fall, they're not entirely dumb arguments. Okay, I'll give I'll give it that much. So, you know, yes, during this period of time, the women made more per game. Okay, that doesn't take into account the fact that they won the World Cup. And the men well, didn't qualify. And, and right? minor, like, like yes, they made more per game, but how much more would the men have made if they? There's this really equally? interesting book. I don't know if you guys have read this. Oh yeah, Caitlin Murray, the national team, the inside story of the women who changed soccer. This came out last year, right before the Women's World Cup, and uh, read it, loved it, and she does a really great job of kind of breaking down that last um, collecting collective bargaining agreement that they signed, and the women's team their collective bargaining the, the the money that they would make or that they would be paid was all centered around winning so if they won they got paid if they didn't win they didn't get paid and so the men's team is set up completely different you get paid you show up you you, so you shit in the toilet in the locker room and you're getting paid it's actually the reverse of that the and toilet has to shit that. in you so, yeah no and i, I even i have <laughs> Yes. Insert yes. farts um, out here. I have the numbers here. <laughs> Insert my new podcast episode coming out tomorrow is actually all about about people in the workplace that that smell bad. Ooh. I wish so I could have been on that. That would grow. Actually, it's actually a poop episode. So you're you're. The I was poop just episode. editing it. So yeah, the people right. of 102 right. versus <laughs> the fans of 103. <laughs> <laughs> The shit flingers. Aeration. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the things that that a lot of people who like this decision are, are pointing to is both parties, the men and the women, had the opportunity to negotiate and bargain an agreement. The difference between those two agreements are part of what makes this hard to compare apples to apples. It's really an apples to oranges kinds of kind of situation. The men's uh, collective bargaining agreement, as it currently sits, as for what the, the court was looking at, is a pay-to-play structure. So the men actually get nothing unless they win. It's just, actually, that's a little off. They get, they get more if they win, they get more if they tie, and they get more if they lose. 
So for example, for a friendly, if the men win, each player gets $17,000. If they tie, they get $8,000. If they lose, they still get $5,000. Okay. If they win the World Cup or play in the World Cup, there's a pool of millions of dollars that they get to distribute amongst themselves. But outside of that performance-based pay or I lose and I make less kind of performance-based pay, that's all they get. Here's a list of the things that the women get, and people are very caught up on this. The women get severance, injury protection, health, dental, and vision, pregnancy pay, guaranteed rest time, childcare assistance, partnership bonuses for exceeding marketing revenue targets, uh, payment by USSF for commercial use of player likeness. They get ticket revenue shares that the men don't get. They get signing bonuses of $230,000. Those are all the kinds of compensation that the men don't get. But, but do the women get paid? Yeah, if the women winning, don't win, they don't get paid, correct? No, all of that's there, whether they win or lose. But if they win, their game bonuses, the game compensation that they make is far less than Which the is men. crazy because they're so much better. Because <laughs> they're so much better. And the argument that people are making to support this decision are that they both bargained different kinds of agreements. The men's agreement has far more potential upside, but also has far more potential downside. The women's agreement has less upside, but also more of a safety nest, less downside. So as the, as the court looks at it, it's like, I'm comparing apples to oranges. What is equal here when they both have the opportunity to bargain and agreed, and in fact, the women unanimously agreed to their agreement. So I'm going to look at that. It's it. They had lawyers, they were represented, everybody was, was involved, and they made more during the relevant period, case closed, I'm going to put this away. I don't think that's the whole picture. And I actually think, right, and we didn't talk about what are the laws that we're even talking about here, right? It's the Equal Pay Act, right? And it's Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is what federally, under federal law, these are two, two statutes that say you can't discriminate on the basis of, of a protected characteristic, right? And the equal pay is specifically about pay and sex. And where I get really held up here is that it's very unusual to have a single employer, right? Because USSF employs the men and it employs the women, but it separates out the bargaining units specifically defined on sex, that doesn't really exist. Like imagine an employer where it's like, I have salespeople and I'm going to have the male salespeople in a bargaining unit here and the mm. female salespeople, even though you all do the same thing. And we're going to separate out and we're going to have one make a different kind of compensation than the other. Well, almost everybody would agree like that's nonsense. Like you can't do that. That's discriminating on its face. Even if the women make more then the men make less there's still not equal pay between the two. May I pretend to be a lawyer for a moment? Please. I do it every day. I would like to read uh, from a motion from the Federation, which, uh, and it's claimed to be their strongest argument. And I'm wondering if perhaps you can reply uh, in your best Perry Mason impersonation uh, to just crush it, okay? I'll, I'll Ultimately, do my best. plaintiffs want the court to force U.S. soccer into paying them as though they negotiated a different contract, won competitions they did not play in, defeated opponents they never faced, and generated over $60 million more 
in FIFA prize money for U.S. soccer than they actually did. This is not the purpose of the anti-discrimination laws, which are designed to prevent employers from paying women less than men in exchange for virtually identical work just because they are women. That did not happen here. What I would say in response to that is, how can you have equality when you treat people who do the same thing completely differently and they don't have a choice whether they're part of one group or the other group? Boom roasted. Straight up, right? I just don't see how you could have a situation where two, you, you split the, you, you define who makes what based on what we call in the law an immutable characteristic, something that you can't change. Right now, yes, I understand that there's some differences when it comes to team sports soccer, right? The women play with the women and the men play with the men. We're not in a place in society or for, for whatever reasons that that's, that's mixing in terms of professional sports. But in the end, they're doing the same thing. And in fact, the women way better than the men, like so much better. And so, yeah, they got paid more, but if they were all doing the same thing, if they were all performing at the same level and the men actually did the same thing the women did, the men would make millions and millions more than the women. I, I would like to, uh, going back to this book here, I realize that this is, this, yeah. this quote that I'm about to read is not, it doesn't, it's more from the guts, which I feel like we're a show from the guts, right? We've said that before. We're not about facts and numbers. We're about the guts. So. So, yeah, from the, from the guts. I get you. I get that. Uh, Eric Wynalda, the striker for the U.S. men's national team that came in last place at the World Cup in 1998, now credits the women's team with saving soccer in America. The men embarrassed themselves in the 1998 World Cup in France and made American soccer look like a joke. But the women in 1999 made it something everyone wanted to be a part of. Case closed. I'm just the best <laughs> damn bird lawyer that you've ever seen. <laughs> In the end, it just see it baffles my mind how you know, as the dude says, this aggression will not stand, man. I just don't under I don't get how this is happening. This group of people who are who are right. so goddamn good at what they do and are not being compensated in the same way that this other group of people who are so shitty at what they do. And in fact, they're being punished for being that good because if they had performed poorly and made less under their contract, they would have made less per game than the men. And this judge may have found otherwise. And the tough thing here is that you can't switch countries. You know, it would be great That's if they true. could just be like, oh yeah, well, we're going to go play for, for Germany or England or Brazil or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and it's interesting in that it's unusual for me, at least, to think that they're both employed by the same employer. And that's, that's part of what makes this kind of unique, is that if they were employed, if there were two different entities, two different organizations, that one was for women's soccer and one was for men's soccer, and they, they, they kind of were independent of each other, we wouldn't be having this case, right? So it's only the fact that it's the same employer and the same entity that manages both and treats their employees differently. Yeah. So how does this change next time it comes around for like their contract renewal? I think they'll have some more leverage to try to to say, no, we want exactly the same as as the men. And there's people out there making this argument that the women were offered that same deal. That's not true. They were offered a pay to play that would have paid them more per game than what they're currently getting, but it would not have matched the numbers that the men were getting, right? And so I think the next time that their collective bargaining agreement comes up, 
right? They're going to they're gonna kind of stick it to them because they've got some bargaining power because they're the freaking best in the world and they should act like it. Uh, and I hope that they do. Um, the other thing that's kind of weird about this is let's say they have a bad year. And that year they make less than the men on average per game. Well, that's what the court says is our criteria here. So they could bring the lawsuit again. I don't know how that would go, but it would certainly be a snarky way to test it. So, you know, these things, they go on forever, right? They drag on forever. This is never like a like, all right, well, it'll, it'll be a week and then we'll know. How long do you realistically think this is going to go on for? Like from now, from, from like, how, so, how soon do we think that this is, we're going to have closure? There's a, oh, it'll be years still before we really have closure. So there's a few things that, that we actually haven't gotten into here that are, that impact how we answer that. So first, the U.S. Soccer Federation didn't win the whole case. So there was the pay equity claims. And then there were, there were claims for disparate treatment between the men and the women when it came to field conditions and travel for reasons that I simply can't fathom, the court rejected their arguments about field, right? So they, the women were saying we played on yeah. turf fields more than the men. And the, the court said, well, the reason that they justified that for that spe those specific games for the men, that makes, that makes sense to me. So I'm going to kick that claim. But the court found, didn't find for either. And when you don't find for either at this part of the case, it means the case goes to trial. So they, the court didn't find for either party. It just said that there wasn't enough to get rid of the claim when it came to the travel, because it was basically like, yeah, the arguments USSF were making was, well, the men, they were trying to qualify for the World Cup. We gave them more charter flights because they were sad and we needed to get them. You know, there are four days between games and, and we just, we needed to get them and, and have them be more comfortable. Right? And, and really it said they were sad <sighs> arguments. And the court, at least to the court's credit, was like, yeah, no, that sounds like BS, and rejected USSF's argument on that. So now we're in this weird situation where most of the claim is gone, and there's a general principle that you can't appeal the case until all the issues are resolved. You can do it. It's called an interlocutory appeal and try to appeal up specific issues and bring it back down again. Either way that happens, if we go to trial or we try to resolve that, that, um, that last claim on travel, that could take forever to get through a trial, right? Or they settle it. The fastest way to get this done is the whole thing settles. But if it doesn't settle, we'd be talking about appeals. They have to brief the appeals. They have to have an oral argument on the appeals. Then they take six months to, to right? So the appellate process, once they get there, I mean, it could be a six to 18 month process i mean six would be unbelievably fast it could be so, could be longer than that i've had i've had appeal briefs that i filed back in the day when i still litigated that sat with the judge for two years wow. that's unusual but it does so do you happen. think this is going to be wrapped up uh, before or after <laughs> soccer resumes <laughs> and we're in the stands here in portland after <laughs> also i i also want to ask you this question and that is What's what's bringing you hot dog banana time these days? So the thing that brings me hot dog banana time these days is the same thing that makes me want to kill myself these days, and that's my kids. <laughs> so I value greatly the opportunity to 
um, spend time with them. You know, I spend time. Uh, you guys have met Ellie at games, so um, it's a little sad. She was actually we're recording this on a Wednesday night. She was supposed to walk out on the field with the thorns mm-hmm. tonight. Um, um, she doesn't know that it was tonight. She doesn't. She's eleven. She doesn't keep a calendar, but I know it, and so I'm kind of bummed about it. It's a double. Um, I'm daddy dog, crying. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, oh, it's okay. Just just had some hot sauce or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we, you know, we we I, you know, try to play some soccer with her, you know, and and I get to to you know her sister does taekwondo, and we you know we're doing a lot of bonding and we're spending a lot of time together. I read to them every night, so. So part of my delay tonight is I'm reading Hunger Games to them right now. Oh, um, I thought it was legal really... brief. I'm glad that it's. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. Uh, they're not there yet. Tom Clancy novels. Um, <laughs> but murder she but wrote. But then you know, as someone who also has a role now in educating them, more more formally than before, just kill me. <laughs> oh. So that's it's the same answer for 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 top of the list and bottom of the list. More good than bad. I got you. Well, um, at least there's the K League to look forward to. That's right. I got my alarm set to 45. You got a team, fans? You got a K? I don't know it well enough. Are you guys? You guys are doing a full K League preview. All the teams, right? (laughs) Every team. (laughs) So it starts. Uh, We. I don't know. I I, I I tend to like the same teams you guys do. Do you? Who's, who's well, the, the thing here is really that uh, Courtney has chosen FC Seoul as, as the club she'll support. Zippy and I independently chose the same team, uh, Songnam FC, based pretty much. Well, I mean, Zippy has been I'm, a fan since he was yeah. a kid, but I just love their crest. <laughs> and uh, well, right. you know. I, I look forward to hearing. Maybe, maybe you can send us a voicemail for the next episode, if there is a next episode, uh, as to which team you've chosen to support. I, you can bank on that. I will do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Mark, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you joining us and giving us the uh, legal expertise. Folks, if you want to hear more, I'm sure there will be more episodes in addition to episode 45 and episode five of season two Uh, you can expect more (laughs) episodes in the coming two years as this ongoing saga continues to unravel. Mark, if if Uh, anyone needs... Awesome work environment. Yeah, if anyone needs to reach out to you for some some bird law, where would they do that? Uh, That would be alifanslaw.com. That's A-L-I-F as in Frank, A-N-Z as in zebra, uh, law.com. Or you can find me, I'm at Salad Pants on Twitter. These guys know I, I show up to the games on my salad pants 77 kit uh so that's an easy way to find me also awesome thanks for joining us fans thank you thank you guys great to see you, you Courtney, well. great to meet catch you catch you later man and we all know that according to bird law is three strikes and you're out bye bye birdie ready boys and girls because here's where it gets good ryan mcpoyle didn't attack liam royal did and lion was lying about ryan attacking liam to protect royal from the chair or lethal injection or perhaps some sort of small bird guillotine i wouldn't understand the physics of it i'm not an executioner i'm just the best goddamn bird lawyer in the world well guys that was really uh wonderful to have a real live lawyer on to weigh in regarding the uh, u.s women's national team lawsuit Guys, I had the uh, pleasure earlier today uh, speaking with Jonathan Galat, who's a uh, he's a member of our 
Timber's Army, and he's also originally from Israel. And given our uh, last week's interview with George Fashive from the Israeli Premier League, he had a few things to say about it, and uh, and it was a delight chatting with him. Here's the interview. First of all, let me congratulate you for making over 100 episodes. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Touchdown. Yeah. Well, uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you are our Portland-based Israeli League expert, and we brought you on today because you had some reactions after our recent George Fashive interview, a uh, former Timber who is now playing in the Israeli Premier League. Um, so, Jonathan, how are you and what do you have to tell us today? I'm good, and what I have to tell you is um, George Fashive's um, comments about Maccabi, however, he is correct that the owners are filthy rich. The uh, Maccabi Haifa and, and the Tel Aviv one, both owned by a businessman. So yeah, but but there's the thing, they don't make much money. It's not like let's say uh, Jerry Jones who makes millions by owning yeah. the Cowboys. They lose money actually. Yeah, I think what he was saying more is that historically in the league, you know, there are some teams that are more kind of like. Uh, the wealthy yeah. clubs, and then you have the Hapoel clubs, which are more like worker-based, and and yeah, that's why no, they that feature, makes... you know, the hammer and sickle on the uh, on the badges, right? Yeah, that's true. There are those Apoel Hedera actually tell you the truth when they came uh, to the league last season, um, they actually were first place for for a couple of times. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was their first time up in forty years. And all yeah. of a sudden, uh, their first year up, they they maintained a pretty they, high level and made it into the championship division after the first 26 games yeah. of the season. They managed to make it to the playoff championship, which basically, like, sorry to say, it, it's almost like the playoffs here. Who will, no, be, no, who no. will win? And actually, Jonathan, this episode uh, that, that we're going to tag this interview into is the uh, K-League episode oh, and we geez. learned earlier in this episode that the Korean League follows the same format where they play <laughs> first half of the season, everybody plays against each other and then it breaks into yeah. for the championship and relegation divisions and then those teams play it out so yeah, it's kind of an interesting format. Do, I have a funny thing to say to you uh, the team in Jerusalem the full name is actually Beitar Trump Jerusalem FC. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, they changed not... it. They, they changed it because of uh, moving the embassy, which is stupid, in my opinion. Wait. So let me let me clarify this. You're telling me that there's a team in Jerusalem called Beitar Be Beitar Trump. Trump. Yes. And then did they change their name because of the? Uh... Yeah. Because of that move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. This team. I hope it gets relegated. Since the foundation of the current format, they never have, they never been relegated, which is unfortunate. Well, I'm really, I'm really glad that we've been able to keep politics and soccer separate here in uh, the Israeli I, Premier League. I guess Beitar Trump Jerusalem uh, is is a club that has never signed an Arab player. Uh, I'm reading the have, article right here, CNN Sport. Beitar, which has they, never signed an Arab player had its offices torched by supporters after yeah. two Muslim players from Russian league club Tarek Grozny, uh, based in Chechnya in 2013. Yeah. That is true. They never had a Muslim. They did, however, have 
Nigerian Muslim and Tajik Muslim. So they have had Muslim, but not from the Arab world or from the Israeli, from Israeli Arab communities. Wow. The fans are the type of guys, those are the type of guys you don't want to meet in dark alley, uh, hooligans. So you're saying when George Fushibe said that the fans in Israel were crazy. That's what, that's the extreme. He uh, might have been another, referring to these guys. Yeah. He was referring to these guys. Um, in Israel, you cannot separate the religion or politics from, the, from sports, which I find it um, annoying, which is um, why I much prefer to go see Timbers games, because you can live like your political ideology outside as soon as you enter. Politi- you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just to take a quick tangent here, you know, being Israeli, the Timbers Army at the over this past year was flying a flag. It was the Iron Front symbol, which yeah. was a sign of anti-fascist sentiment that was popularized in Germany in opposition by the White Rose, uh, which was the underground movement. Yeah, yeah in opposition to uh, the Nazis, and yet. Uh, the league came down harshly and tried to prevent the Timbers Army from displaying that symbol. How did that make and you the, feel, given your sentiment that you would want to keep politics and sport separate? Okay, first of all, I have to mention this. I'm a, my grandfather is a Holocaust survivor. So seeing that flag being waved in the stadium actually makes me feel uh, happy that people take a stand against racism, um, anti-Semitism, or what, or whatever uh, anti you want to be. Yeah. It actually makes me feel like I'm in a community I can be, say I belong. Yeah. Um, and when I joined in 2017, actually, um, it was just like, um, felt like a second home. Hmm. That is the truth. My, my public, my, I'm not a very social guy yeah. growing up. When I joined the Timbers Army, all of a sudden I became more uh, social. I went to like the Tifo painting and volunteered. So I felt like I found a purpose. Um, but let's go back to... Um, okay, let's go back because I, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know that we introduced yeah, it. Yeah. So, Jonathan, today uh, you're joining us on Soccer Touchdown and you are wearing a soccer jersey and tell me about this jersey. Where is it from? What are you representing? I'm repres- the shirt is made by Maccabi Tel Aviv, uh, the Maccabi organization. It celebrates 70 years of Israeli independence. By the way, these were the original colors, the blue and white. In 1942, they switched, they added the yellow, and from there on, on, it was yellow and blue. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you remember this, Jonathan. The first time you and I met... You told me yes. that you were a Maccabi Tel Aviv fan. And we, so met the, we, we met in an Irish pub in, yeah. in an away game. And the it first was, thing I did is I went onto my phone real quick and I looked up to find out who their biggest rival was. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you're a Maccabi Tel Aviv fan. I'm a Hopewell Tel Aviv fan. TID, how dare you come into my bar? <laughs> and um, you got you got really pissed off. <laughs> Tell you the truth, I got pissed off because it's like it because it's like the obvious. <laughs> it was low hanging um, fruit. Yeah, yeah, I think you're. I think that's safe to say. Speaking of which, 
on a Poel's case, they actually again found themselves in financial trouble by fifth. Um, they were fined again by UEFA for not paying the players' wage oh. that used to play. And the current owner said it's not uh, it's the previous ones. At one point, it was so bad the FIFA threatened to um, relegate them to divisions. Wow. Well, hey, I think you know it's worth mentioning before we started the interview. You mentioned that you had gone back home and you purchased a Hapoel Tel Aviv jersey for me. Yeah. Which I think is super sweet. It's it's got my uh, it's got JP on the back. And in a way, you've helped them out of their financial difficulties by purchasing this jersey. And I think that's tell, really kind of you. <laughs> tell the truth is like, I said I will bring you something. So I was like, I even went to look for Paul Hadera. Uh-huh. But they don't have a website even. So oh, you geez. cannot shop for Paul Hadera. As much as I wanted, I couldn't. Yeah, well, I mentioned it to George Fashive. I said, hey, look, this guy bought me a Hapoel Tel Aviv jersey. I'm going to have to break it to him that I'm a Hapoel uh, Hedera fan. And and he goes, oh, no, man, you know, Hapoel Tel Aviv is a big club. You'll you'll be is, happy following them. <laughs> it is, um, yeah, it is one of, like, they won 14 times this league. Wow. So they're pretty... Um, they're like in the top 10 of the teams that won, even top five of the ones that won, won it the most. Uh, okay, here's a question for you, Jonathan, because yeah. everybody's interested in this Israeli Premier League. And you mentioned earlier that they announced that they're going to try and resume playing, uh, mm-hmm. resume the season later on this uh, in June. And my question to you is, if Maccabi Tel Aviv was to go up against the Portland Timbers, who would win? Ooh. As much as I like my hometown team, I love to say the Timbers. Ooh, the Portland Timbers would defeat them. Okay. Uh, the only uh, reason why is because, uh, I'm so, I'll say it, uh, Diego Valeri. Yeah, thank you. Well, Jonathan, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Soccer Touchdown for this brief interview at the tail end here. Um, we look forward to uh, hearing more from you uh, with mm-hmm. updates uh, regarding the Israeli Premier League. And, and also, mm-hmm. I hope one of these days, whether it's a year from now, two years from now, we're back in the Timbers Army uh, cheering on our beloved Timbers together. And when we go back to the stands, I will give you the presents. Oh, my God. Yeah. I may, I may have to wait two years for this jersey, huh? Jeez. All right. You're going to hold it hostage. <laughs> the JP Apple Tel Aviv jersey. I can always email it. Yeah, email it. Come on. You know, I'm sure. No, that... I'm sorry, not email, mail it to you. <laughs> I'll send you my address. If you want to just chuck it over the fence, yeah, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll receive it uh, yeah. gladly. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Jonathan, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, I appreciate your time. And thanks for listening and following the pod. And I uh, look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon. Talk, talk to you later. Bye. All right. Take care. Well, guys, there it was. And, and, and of course, as you know, uh, the, the Israeli Premier League is layered with a lot of political undercurrents. Absolutely. Of course, we're no strangers to that here in Portland. Of course, I thought we'd left all that behind us after we had the Iron you know, ratified. Yeah, we'd, we'd ratified the, uh, the new uh, uh, fan code of conduct. 
and all that. And did you guys see Merritt Paulson's recent tweet storm? Uh, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's it kind of weird. Uh, after so you know after basically all of the Iron Front business where we weren't going to be allowed the Timbers and the Thorns were not making political statements right no political yeah. statements and then uh, just this last week Ted Wheeler released a list of all the people that endorsed him and on yeah. that list was not just the Timbers and Thorns the actual logos of the teams um, and. Yeah. Basically, uh, I don't have Merritt's tweet in front of me. I'm sure you probably have it, JP. But yeah, I'll read it for you. So, um, you know, Sean Sean Ray, uh, he he retweeted it uh, a, a picture of the flyer that Ted Wheeler was sending out to everybody just to show that the Timbers and Thorns were endorsing his candidacy. And Sean wrote, "Gross, Merritt Paulson." And um, Mayor Paulson's response was his typical, you know, hot-headed snarkiness. And he said, you are welcome to vote for and support any mayor candidate you want. If you are upset because I donated, parentheses, 100% legally to Ted, that's okay too. But enough with the crazy conspiracies. There is enough real drama without this. My mute and block button will be liberally used after this. Did you not and look at this thing? Like, yeah. So I don't think he, he even looked he, at you it. You got to look at it. I mean, if there's one thing he's that we've not, learned, he's the guy that reads the headline and doesn't click the yeah. headline to read the full story. And then there are people who like follow up and go, like, "Wait, you're you're seriously okay with them using the club crest for these?" Two and then teams? didn't he say he was Those... complaining that they used the wrong crest? Yeah. <laughs> it was a personal gift, not the club. And all of a sudden, he goes, "Oh, wait, no." We'll look into it if the logo was used. And it's like, well, just just read before you go on a tweet storm like that. And of course, after the fact, I went back to check and see, like, did he ever, like, I don't know, apologize to the guy he attacked online, Sean Ray? And he, he did. He wrote, Mike's communication was a while ago, and I was unaware it had happened. We have cleared the air with Ted's campaign tonight. I support Ted, but don't allow our teams to be vehicles for political endorsements, and I'm upset this happened. We apologize for the confusion. Oh, well, that's um, nice. I mean, I, that's surprising and also nice. Yeah. I don't want – yeah, I don't want the teams that I love to be openly endorsing – like. The, I don't want to see my the, the team logo on anything because those are two very separate entities, right? And so it's a little creepy and weird, especially in the current state of things, to be like, you, you know. To me, that's the definition of political when yeah. you're like endorsing a mayoral candidate <laughs> as a team. <laughs> like, yeah, but when you're saying when you're saying, you know, like, let's not be racist. How about no to Nazis? <laughs> to me, that's more like. A human? Know, just general ethos, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> so, so bizarre. I swear. Uh, these are the times we live in right now, man. You know? Yeah. Well, um, guys, can we move on to, I don't know, maybe a happier topic to round out the show? I'm in. Let's go and uh, give her up to uh, everybody's second favorite new segment.
Zippy. What are you listening to? What am I to? listening to? I'm listening to uh, a little jam. You remember the band Guster? Remember those guys? I do. Yeah. They're, aren't they? They were like huge for a while there. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of were not. I Oddly enough, this has nothing to do with why I chose this song, but I met the, one of the guitarists, Luke Reynolds, at a wedding years ago. It was very odd in Vermont. Uh, oh, nice. And I was Random. like, yeah, I was like, oh. What's up? Anyway, so this song uh, that I chose is called Hard Times by Guster. And, you know, I've been listening to this song. It it, it just really feels. Um... Hold on, I'm looking up the lyrics because I want to reference this. I feel like with the, the pandemic and everything that's going on, uh, this song really um, it speaks to what's happening. It's got this really sweet riff, which I'm sure you're hearing right now kind of this like dope little synth but also uh you know as we were talking earlier to fans and and uh just about everything that's happening with the um with the u.s women's national team uh there's this there's this line in the song uh we move through fictions and send our sisters to the sacrifice a cruel conviction sinister systems keep us satisfied these are hard times and it feels so apropos for both the pandemic and what is happening with the uh, US Women's National Team. So with that, this is Guster with Hard Times. been listening to that on bike rides a lot it's great um, Ooh, that's a good like keyboards. summertime bike ride yeah scene. like wind in your hair yep. underneath the hat helmet but yeah i like Tasty. it yeah jp what are you listening to well I, you know i uh i created a playlist and i keep adding to it and it's called stoner chill vibes <laughs> uh, and it's it's what i listen to when i sit in the hot tub uh, and how, you know, it's interesting how these, I just stumble upon music. Like I create radio stations on, on Spotify and this, what I'm listening to right now, and I've been listening to this track a lot is, uh, a song called breathless by Matthew Halsell. And he's a Manchester based composer, producer, trumpeter, DJ. Um, I'd never heard of him, but apparently he, he has some, uh, influence from like the trans- transcendental spiritual and modal jazz of Alice Coltrane and Pharaoh Sanders. And it kind of like blends it with some contemporary dance music, electronica. But uh, this tune is really nice and chill. And uh, yeah, it's been in kind of a nice backdrop for me of late. I'll go ahead and give it a play for you guys. So this is Breathless by Matthew Halsell. Bye. 
you get the idea. Yeah, buddy. I just added that to my I Operation like Makeout playlist. Yeah. You know, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's multifunctional. Absolutely. Stoner chill, makeout sesh. Love it. <laughs> so, Courtney, before we get to your, uh, your jam to play us out, where can the people reach us? Uh, on Instagram, at Soccer Touchdown. Twitter, at Soccer Touchdown. Soccer Touchdown, even. Facebook. Um, at Soccer Touchdown. You can send us an email, soccertouchdown at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail, 503-660-FANS. F-A-N-Z. All right, Courtney, what are you listening to? Uh... I'll do a little a backstory on it first. Love, I love a good backstory. The, right? Do you ever just have one of those really crappy days? Um, getting in your car to go home from work. Radio comes on, and it's just a tune you haven't heard in forever. And it just makes you so happy. Like, the rest of your day that just happened doesn't matter. Taking me back. Yes. So, I think I heard the song... Forever ago, it's older than I am, I'm sure. But I, I heard it last week. It was one of those shit days. Got in my car to drive home, and Atlantic City came on, which was written by Bruce Springsteen. But this version is played by the band, and it's phenomenal. And the lyrics aren't great; like they're not very uplifting. But just the whole song yeah, as a whole, kind of a depressing song, a little bit. Super depressing. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. There are. I, I've never really listened to lyrics. Yeah, I'm trying to turn JP's over a new thing. leaf. But I, I swear, like I just listen to the music and I can barely pay attention to what they're saying. And I'll find out, like, oh, I really love that song. And then I finally find out what they're it's saying. About murder and rape. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty awful. Well, then I think you're really gonna like this because <laughs> if you take the lyrics out, <laughs> yeah, uh, the music is great. Uh, so just don't right, listen folks. to the lyrics right away. <laughs> listen to the music, not the words. Until next time, I'm JP. I'm Zippy. I'm Courtney. And this is Soccer Touchdown. Also, before I finish, I want to do a shout out uh, yeah, shout to out. YouTube to a YouTube channel uh, called The Way Days. Oh wow! Look at this guy. Yeah, I'm gonna follow him. Yeah. The Way Days on YouTube.
No, I like the idea. I think that this could help us drum up some more listeners. Um, Do we want more? I th- <laughs> yeah. Why? 